Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. So tell me, what are you what are you doing these days and how did your sales thing go? Because I was on a call when it happened. Yeah, the workshop. Yeah, so I want to say like August 2020. And I had like even the prior year, like I knew I had to get out after the January retreat, right? Like there was a whole thing that happened after that. Yeah. Where like I found the Zoom recording of them talking about me blaming the whole thing on me and you know so like that was kind of a work in progress so like from January through to June or whatever it was I started picking up other contracts so like I had two and three and I started helping a company out of Australia and I had had many before that and so I kind of started to like just get myself into this position of like if I have to make moves I can make moves I didn't want to be always feeling like I was backed into a corner Because everybody always wants like you to just have have that one contract. Like, can we have you full time sort of thing? And I just realized that like that actually put me in a really precarious situation that was like really high risk and and fairly stressful as like the major income earner in my family and everything. And so then I kind of continued on with that and it kind of kept growing and growing and like more people were coming and like, hey, can you help with this? Can you do sales calls, whatever? So, and then there was like a couple other small side ones and then people started to kind of come and say like, can I get some consulting with you? I can't figure out whether to put my headset before my bun or after my bun, like in front of my bun or after my bun. <laughs> it like never feels, it's like the bun's right where the thing needs to go. I'm so like on top of the bun? On the top of the bun, <laughs> no bun, my like no bun. My hair so straight that like any kind of volume, you like, get excited. I get excited. So that like so it started to just kind of like happen, and then like I had lots of people coming who had worked with me in some capacity somewhere or had heard of me from someone. So I started kind of doing little like intensives, VIP days, consults, whatever. And then I was like, oh, I do really need to like start to transition out of being in the like doing all of the sales calls themselves that I've, uh, I've accumulated, I've amassed like a ton of knowledge and experience around like this whole, this whole process that's not just selling because I have all this... I have 10,000 sales calls under my belt plus whatever. I have all this like research. I had already hired an assistant last summer. She's now full-time. And then I brought a couple other salespeople. So I didn't bring them. They were like, where are you going? Can we come? And I was like, sure. So I now have like, in my opinion... Aside from myself, I have like the two best closers that I've ever worked with in the industry that are also like kind of coming in and helping me. So we've been sort of doing this. I have like the consulting piece and like the VIP days. And then usually what happens is the clients come in and they want either like the setup and the structure or to do like setter stuff. Like how do we sort of nurture people to a call? We'll do that. Or they want us to kind of take over the call. So it's, I'm calling it, it's like it's insourced, meaning that like if you want us to come and do these things, that like we come in through a consulting and feels like we know your language, we know your values, we know how you do the thing. And then we do the thing very close to how you do the thing, but with our like expertise. So it doesn't feel like it's outsourced, it doesn't feel like it's an agency style. Mm-hmm. And really, what happened was like there's a guy named Cole who has a, 
Like he's like the guy that people go to when they get to a point where they kind of like need to start getting their sales stuff sorted out. And I fucking hate this guy. The harm, like I pretty much have a picture of him printed with his eyeballs poked out. Like fuck this guy, Tavana. Like I'm not here for his bullshit anymore. This like, he's trying to basically act like he's super like human centric. So it's causing people to kind of like come to him. It's like when you're like, oh, we did the work and now we can hire, like, we're going to be really, you know, like, and then, and then you get in and you work for the company and they haven't done any of the work. All they did was change the forward facing stuff. It's basically like that, but an agency. So he like, he, he like, people will come looking for like a sales job and he doesn't do any kind of vetting or training or anything, says he does, and then places them with a company, works with the CEO his training is all fucking high pressure shit, but he says it's not. But then when they start to do any like call reviews with anybody, like they get into like talking to people about like getting on a line, like what about your line of credit, that kind of shit. Like, what do you have available on your, get a new credit card. Oh, like, Lord. so like, I just got so worked up. I was like, okay, I need to create this and it's all going to be like, there's no fucking bros. There's certainly a minimum amount of white people leading the shit. I'm like trying to get out of the way for the most part. Like there is no, there is none. Like I can't anymore. It's ruining like the, these guys are ruining the industry. Like they're telling people that they've done the work and they're human centric, blah, 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 whatever. And then they come in and just continue to harm people and re-traumatize everybody through like a sales process. You that was a long wait. story. So let me let me make sure I'm understanding. So if I'm in summary, you're doing consulting for sales for people who need more sales. And then you have a process where you and your team come in and function as the sales team. department for a group, but in their way, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or okay. we ha- or we help train their like so people can really get me for any of the above. Like if they are doing their own calls. They can do like a VIP day or a month or whatever it is where like we go through and they're going to continue to do it because that's the point that they're at. Or they have someone that's helping them that they feel like probably needs a little bit of extra help and training. We can do that too. And if they are really like, we would like for you to, they see, they see that they don't really have the time to do what's needed in order to like, you know, then, then we can kind of do the in-source thing. But yeah. Gotcha. So I love it. And it's interesting. So then the second thought that I had is you probably need to talk to Melissa Lapidus. Have you ever heard of her in the Safe Space Institute? No. So she's so. on a similar, it sounds like, and I'll point you to her. You can just look at uh, Safe Space Institute on Instagram would be the easiest way to see her, how she looks. How do you at spell things. her last name? L-A-P-I-D-E-S. It sounds like y'all are on a similar wavelength right now. and. She talks about people ruining the industry and high pressure sales. And she's a trauma. She's a psychotherapist, but works in the coaching industry. And I'm in her trauma-informed facilitator program right now. And so some of the things that you were saying about this guy is some of the things that she talks about. And I'm like, that might be an interesting pairing as she's also looking at some ethics stuff right now. So, yeah, I'm like all for having the conversation. I just, I'm trying to really take a, like, take this stance of like critical thinking around it all. Like we can't really, we're all, we're all kind of in this soup in a way. Like it's all going to be a little bit bro. 
because it, it all kind of goes back to the same, like it all funnels down from Tony Robbins. You know what I mean? Like we're all kind of still learning from, and yeah. is the thing bad or is it the way that we're doing it or that we don't really have a, we don't know why we're doing it. And that was my big thing when I did all that, all the surveys and everything. Like I realized that a lot of things like, like we're just trying to avoid doing more damage or harm, but we also are throwing out like the baby with the bathwater. Like don't do like put your price up because this thing, right. like because of this way that it was done, but it's like, well, but there's another side of this. A hundred percent. And that's kind of been, even from day one, when I was in that other program where I met you, it's like, (laughs) I always, I've always been about like critical thinking. Like you said, like, why are we doing the things? If all of these ways work, then it means that there are different ways you can do it and you get to find your own way. But then also what I always found, at least what I thought was dangerous was that people would just spout advice or what they had done without context around it. Or they're not even like what I found, which is crazy. When I start, when people started sending me, I just to plug something in when Uh people started sending me like, Hey, this person says this, or go check out this person or whatever it was. Like I would go check out their shit and they're not even doing what they're preaching about. They're not even doing what they're talking about. They're like, put your prices up. Where the fuck are your prices? I can't find them. I can't find them. Four people, four people that like, they were like, oh, I follow so-and-so all about this, like transparent da-da-da, get on a wait list. Yeah. And I'm like, people are saying like this whole wait list thing. And I'm like, well, why do we have the wait list? If you're always open or (laughs) say, I only have a couple of spots left for calls. And I'm like, but you don't have really a whole bunch of clients. So why do you only have a couple of spots? What's that? Yeah. What's and then when we about? meet and then when we do it, because we, we truly actually like someone said to me the other day, like, Grace, you're booked out. You're going to have to embrace the wait list. And I was like, nope. And they were like, because well, you have trauma behind yeah. it because of what happened. And then I'm like, so I saw one lady and I said, she's like, and I have an application to work with me. And I'm like, you're talking to me because you only have two clients and you need more clients. So mm-hmm. why is there an application? I said, well, is it really an application or is it just an information form? Because would you take anybody? And she was like, yeah, then it's not an application. It's just an information form, but somebody heard, oh, if it's an application and it's exclusive. And then I'm like, but for me, it is an application because I need you to have X, Y, and Z in place. Otherwise I cannot work with you. Totally. And so then, like you said, it's like without context and the intention behind it, because I do think that people do certain things. They can do the same thing with different intentions. So I see all of that also. Like that's, that's a hundred percent it. I hate this saying, and I wish there was a better one, but like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. That's my, that's actually my favorite saying. And then I have to be like, okay, well, I'm sorry in the FEMA days or a nonviolent language, but that's the saying. That's the saying, right? Like I say it all the time. I don't even know. I don't even know. There is not no other saying that comes to mind. You know, it's like, right. There's There's more than one way to do it. No, Mm -hmm. it's not the same. Like, anyway, it just holds a lot of like power because it's like there, there's lots of different ways to do something. And it's not that the thing, it's not even like people talk about like fast action pricing or whatever. It's like, well, 
does it not make sense to offer someone incentive-based pricing if you only have one call and it closes on the call and it saves you time? Are you not passing on a savings to that person because it actually like took you less time to do, you know, like, is that not a way to look at it? Because that's how I look at it. Like if you're ready to go and, you know, you want to get started right away, like let's do the thing. And if we don't have to have two more calls after this, you get it for cheaper. Because you actually are saving me money. Like every time I get on the phone with you by myself, I'm losing money. Totally. But this is what I'm talking about, the advice without context. So it's like the person that originally came up with the great idea, it was with a certain intention. And they, maybe because of the master's curse or whatever, don't really know why, like all of the thought that went behind it. And so when they teach or somebody just sees that they do that, they're like, oh, I'm going to do it. But they don't have, it's like the copy, the photocopy. It gets copied and copied and copied and copied and copied. Or telephone, however you want to use it. Yeah. And it's like, but they don't know why. So then the energy behind it is off. And then it just becomes this weird, scammy-like thing. Totally. Well, and and again, like sometimes the original, and in some instances, like with the fast action price, there was kind of a shitty intention. It was like to get people to do something in the heat of the moment. But we know now statistically that like when I look at my calls that someone did a fast action price and signed up, the the closing rate's a lot higher than when they go off and they get into what we call like procrastination land because mm-hmm. squirrel, because they went and then they saw something else the next day and were like, oh, I forgot about that other thing because I have low, you know, like we all have this two second attention span. Like it's trying to feel it out in the moment. And so like. But Grace, I would wonder, like taking it a step further, what is the satisfaction and or completion and or retention rate for those people that sign up on the fast action? It's well, the second stat that's important is that did they pay in full or did they do a payment plan? Okay. What I have found for myself included is that if somebody signs up, and they pay a high, like in full, or they do a two pay, or there's a higher, like kind of like skin in the game or whatever on the line. It they do typically go in and like get after it and get started, and they will ha- start to see some results. And so, I have not found that a fast action negatively affects whether they and it, but it has to be done properly, and you can't offer it. It's not something that gets offered in like the heat of the moment. It's usually like, yes, you're yes, you're in, you feel good. And I always go through and ask people to tell me before I click submit, I always will have them like whether I'm selling for myself or someone else, I will always say like, tell me again why you're doing this, why this feels good, why this is the right choice for you. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go through and say like, I really want to do this because I feel really good about it. I really like so-and-so. I've really enjoyed this call. Feels like the right time. Um, and then I'll also say, like, are you are you nervous? And they'll be like, Yeah, I'm nervous. And I'll be like, Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So like there's due diligence that is done. And then there's usually even for those that I like I firmly believe in like a like an onboarding call, especially at like a higher price point where like they've paid and now you're there to catch them on the other side. And like there's this like, okay, I got I'm nervous. I just like because I we get messages, we would get messages all the time. They'd be like, I don't know where to find anything. They got an email, they got a video, they got an orientation video. Like it was set up really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so again, there's like other little bits and pieces, but I don't find that if done properly, a fast action or a pay on the call incentive negatively affects people staying in the... Oh, I don't, I don't either. I was just wondering, just like, I think yeah. the languaging too, because 
the fast action. And we're talking about trauma informed sales. And we're talking about all of this stuff and like different factors that might play into it and the FOMO and people saying, Oh, well, you know, so I was just wondering about that, especially when we're like the fast action bonus. I, I was just wondering if there was a difference because a lot of my people pay right then on the call too. And then I also wonder about, you were saying before you hit submit, and I had an issue happen when I first, first started sales where something was happening and people's, we were on the phone together and they would give me the information and I would put it in. And then their cards would get declined by their banks. Yeah. This is even before COVID. So what I started doing is I give them the link on the call and I'm there to make sure everything's processed, blah, blah, blah. So I never touch their information. Totally. That's for sure. And so I don't typically anymore, I don't say fast action. And I don't really use it for myself because most of my packages are fairly large. Like they're not happening on a call. They're like 20,000 or 40,000 and there's probably a payment plan and it's not happening. Like unless someone's signing up for my group program, which is 2,500 or they're doing like a 6K or a 10K VIP day or something. It's... And I also find that like for me, especially because there's usually been like, I'm not talking to anybody that's like really cold yet or like that just found me. There's mm-hmm. usually like a relationship that's there that by the time we have the conversation or the consult or the audit or whatever it is, the strategy session, they're pretty close. And they're just, we're just working through kind of the details around. Thank you. Oh, I know. <laughs> Listen, this, he got called a star this morning, a king. Thank you very much. No. <laughs> They're like, I, it's a little different for me than I find for say somebody like or even that like starts to have this big inbound volume and like people have watched a webinar or they've watched a workshop or they got on a list and they booked a call It's a little bit different and yeah. price matters. So like if it's, if it's 4k or 5k or 6k, or I would say like 7k starts to get up into like, I don't even have a 7k a day available on my credit cards. <laughs> like I have to make a phone call, <laughs> right? Like. So sometimes it just doesn't work, but I find that even with incentive-based price, it might not be right on the call, but it's like, we've, we've said like, so I'm sending you the link or deposit happens. And then like tomorrow, whatever the thing is, it makes it a lot easier too. If people have given some kind of like commitment that way, that Mm -hmm. if they do end up in, have you ever read, did I ever tell you about? Yes, yes. Hell no. No. It's good. I don't love I know. I don't love the guy who wrote it, but the concept is super cool. Like what he's talking about is like this simultaneous thing that happens where we're like, yes, yes. No, like I'm scared now. I'm scared. The, The potential of the thing is too scary. So I also... I, like, I feel like I talk a lot about that. Like, you're going to simultaneously be so fucking stoked. And you're also going to be like so scared. And that's like pretty normal. And we're going to be able to work through that. And that's probably not really going to go away. And like, I I have that always. Like, when I sign up for something that like, I know it's going to cause me discomfort. I'm going to have to stretch, whatever. So I think, I think also like we know that there's false sense of urgency, but we also know that on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's like serious procrastination where like we don't do the thing that we need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think just talking about those things. Yeah. And not, and not like using weird psychology or tactics to like get people to not be present with those things. Like I'm like, let's be super present with those things. Like let's go through and talk about almost like what's worst case scenario. Let's go through the what ifs. Let's go through the 
I just bought myself, I'm on it right now, a brand new fucking iMac. I needed it so bad because I run four to five browsers most days with like 20 tabs open. I needed two fans. I needed the whole thing. It was like $3,000 or something. Me too. That's why I got the MacBook Pro because you got like lots of windows open, right? <laughs> lots of tabs open. So like it gets here last night out, unbox it, put it together. It's pink. I fucking love it. And I got, I got up at like 1030 last night. I was already in bed and I walked out to the kitchen and Danny's like, what's up? And I'm like, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel bad. I feel I shouldn't have got that computer. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I don't think I needed it. And he's like, okay, let's talk through this for a second. He's like, it's, it is your tool. Like, it's how you do your magic. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think, you know, like we all have kind of like these, like I, I was take, I got, as soon as I pulled the, like the, the sticker off of the front, I had like panic. I was like, oh, it's mine now. I took the sticker off. Like, <gasps> let me take it back. What if I don't need it? This is, this is silly. Like whatever the thing is. So like, I think, we talk about it. We say like, you're probably going to feel like you're going to throw up. Also, like if this really isn't a good fit, can we not have these fucking contracts in place where like you're locked into something that like... Oh, yeah, totally. And you know, it's interesting. I think that's part of how I got to... Because some people are like, get the get the decision on the call and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I would much rather spend an extra 20, 30 minutes doing a follow-up call. Yeah. Because then it gives them the chance to sleep on it and think on it and do all of whatever. And so when they come to that next call, it's more like, okay, now I'm all in. Yeah. As opposed to, like you said, the um, the contract where now whatever this next process has to be in place or the refund if you have a window for that. Yeah. I totally hear you. I think I think it's like when I when we have those, like I said, when we have those sort of like bigger contracts where we've got a 5K or a 6K kind of program. And there's all these inbound calls. There's like the higher volume. Usually they've done quite a bit before they got to the call. They've usually kind of come to come to it with some sort of information. And like, we'll, when I, like when we do the follow-up, usually like, it's like, we'll book the follow-up, right? That's what I mean. Like have something that's, it's not just like, Hey, let me know. It's like, yeah, no. Maybe they've made a bit of a a deposit. Like they're whole, they're like, they're like, yeah, I'm in, I'm going to do the thing. I want to just sit with it. And maybe they're they booked a second call or they've made a deposit and now there's like there's something there and the deposit's being refundable, right? But there's still this like, I did the first thing, or I've set the second call, which means like I am serious about it. And it's not just like uh I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go away and panic. But again, like there's so many different things to do and like different tools to use. And it's like feel it out in the moment. Like I feel like a lot of the sales trainings that happen have happened. It just completely takes people out of their like their sovereign, like their their like their intuitive ability to navigate what need like what should I do here? What do you feel? What do you feel? What do you, you know, feel? I think, and I think is also partly because I'm a coach. But when I really started to learn that selling was coaching, and coaching was selling, that that just gave me so much more ability to forget a sales script to just like you said, feel into it. And if I, if this, if I'm looking at the person as my client in the moment, cause I may not ever get to work with them again. Right. And they were trying to make a decision about something in their business. How would I coach them? 
leave me out of it. How would I coach them? So I I think it it has taken a lot of it has taken a lot of self-work and a lot of building my skill as a coach and stuff to even be okay with that. Yeah. Like we say, like not I do not make an offer to everyone on the call. And some people will say that as a sales tactic. Totally. But it's actually the truth. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what like, and I, I was saying that on the workshop. Cause I was like, there are things that are good and true and necessary. And you have to like, let people, it's your due diligence. Like you kind of have to let people know, like this could happen. Like, it's not nice to go through a whole call with someone and then have them be like, doesn't sound like a good fit. It ha- it's happened to me where like, I didn't let someone know. And then they were like really hurt and upset and offended. But when people use it as a tactic and it's not true, then the whole thing gets like, uh, it's not diluted, but like it gets muddy. Tainted. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's got this like tarnished. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The whole thing is fascinating to me. How do you help people? Because it's, it's so interesting. There's so many skills that we need to build as entrepreneurs and sales. Like think about that. Sales is a, my dad was the VP of sales for Orkin. Mm-hmm. My ex is a sales engineer for Mm -hmm. cybersecurity. Like that's all they do all day. And we have to learn marketing and sales and the delivery of said product. Yeah. Like be good at the thing. Be good at selling the thing. Be good at talking about the thing. Be good at being, be visible. Be visible in in the cancel culture world, right? Like I was so nervous to do that workshop, but I was like, I got, I can't continue to be scared that people, and you know, it's so hilarious that like that night I sent out the message for like, right, but like it's tomorrow. I sent it from close, which is coming from my Gmail. It's not convert kit. It's a personal email, right? Like I have, it's my CRM. So it's coming directly from my Gmail to Mm -hmm. the point where like, you can't send out more than 99 emails from it at once. Yeah. Okay. And I put this, what I thought was hilarious. Like I said, I'm scared to do the thing, but I'm pulling up my big girl pants. I'm going to do it. And I had a knitted pair of underwear with a carrot penis. Oh gosh. Yes. I saw that. I got a message like instantly first little bulk send that I did a message back from someone that's like, take me the fuck off your list. How is this consent based selling? You didn't ask for my email address. I, blah, 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 like, whoa, 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 like went off. I'm reporting you. I like, I was supposed to go for Valentine's Day dinner and I couldn't feel my hands. I was like in shock, shut down, like the thing that I'm most terrified is happening. And so in, in like, I find that she actually booked a call with me. That's how I had her email. She booked a call with me in December. So I go to like, I respond immediately, but she probably blocked me. So I go to Facebook to see if we're friends. As I go to her Facebook page, I see she's posted it like in real time, posted about it. And we have like hundreds of friends in common and like doesn't name me, but says like consent-based selling, which is like my thing. And so I'm writing in the thread like, hey, Aaron, it's Grace. I had your email because you booked a call with me. And then it kind of like kept going. And she was like, yeah, well, you canceled the call or rescheduled the call or whatever. And the email actually triggered me because like a sexual like abuse, blah, 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 victim, whatever. So then I was like, I'm really sorry. Like I just kept, I repetitively was like, I'm really, really sorry. I'm really sorry. I accept the feedback. I thought I have little boy humor. I thought it was funny. I'm really sorry. And so eventually then we got into a, a, a conversation. 
And she was like, I'm really sorry. Like I got triggered. I overreacted. We both, she took her post down. We both post saying like, we've chatted. It was okay. But I realized in that moment that I've done a lot of the like work, but it's been behind the scenes. It hasn't been my fate mm-hmm. on the line. And so like, to your point, like we got to be good at all these things. I'm like, well, what's your invisibility? <laughs> well, and what you're, what you're highlighting is something that is part of why I called it launch therapy Yeah, is because, well, I'm a physical therapist by training and doing the launch strategy. But once I started going through the trauma, trauma informed training, I was like, because I kept doing launches with people in that part. Like when you do a launch and you're putting yourself out there in a very big way, it can bring up all kinds of stuff. And I was like, what is happening where I would see people, they'd be yes, 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 hell no. Mm-hmm. Like they'd be ready and then would see those trauma responses come up. Yeah. And like, they'll come up with all kinds of reasons why they can't do the thing or won't do the thing, but it's just all about trauma. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I see it now. I can name it. I know what it is, but I don't have the tools to help them. And so then that's yeah. when I started doing that doing stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And and then to to your point about like, we don't even know what if what we're doing may trigger somebody because we don't know everybody's backgrounds. And so that's the part that I still continue to talk to Melissa about as the instructor of the safe space facilitator. It's like, at what point are we being sensitive to other people's potential past? And at what point are we then like putting our own selves into a box and not being ourselves? Because we cannot possibly know everyone's stuff everyone's thing that might trigger them. Like somebody might be triggered by your pink hair or my purple hair when it was purple. Yeah. Or my tattoos because someone with tattoos, you know, like, right. Totally. I mean, and I think like, I even see it in some of my like clients who've had a lot of success. Right. And now they're at this point where they had a lot of success and then somebody came and like stole their IP or did the bad thing or, talk shit about them. Because like the more people you work with, the more at risk you are for that happening. You just said my thing that I'm so, I keep getting coached on about people talking shit about me and I just keep having to hold myself. So afraid of that. I know. And then I I see stuff, one of my other mentors. And then Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. then of course my brain is afraid of it. So it's looking for it everywhere. But in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of things, it might not be in the, like it may be disproportionate in my mind. Totally. Well, and I think that like what I keep thinking about with that experience is like, I can't avoid these things happening. But what I know to be true was that there was not a level of safety, care, concern, giving a shit with that person. You and I are not that. You and I may piss someone off inadvertently, accidentally, maybe even like a little bit intentionally, but with, but with care, right? Like sometimes I have to say hard things to people. Yeah. But I always say like, and we're not holding people hostage either. I don't think I'm not like if no. someone's like, this is really not working. I'm like, goodbye. Here's your money back. And I think that like, that's really what I keep reminding myself that I learned from that situation was like, mm-hmm. when it comes to my level of care and, and integrity and concern and whatever. And I, and I think you said the thing about like, so the people talking shit about me thing, I'm, I'm getting a little, I'm getting movement on, on it, but what still feels like awful for me is people steal my shit all the time. 
Like, and it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. The way that it's stolen is like, I'm working with a client. We have this conversation that's amazing and great. They immediately go after and they like post about it or they put it in their group or wherever. I have visibility on it. And I see like literally the whole thing that I just walked them through. Mm -hmm. No mention of like, even just had this conversation with Grace. There's key things that I teach. I teach something called a wish list. It's a whole practice. Mm -hmm. Like mentioned, I always do this. And when I do these things, and now all of a sudden they're teaching, they're not a sales coach, but they're going to do a whole sales series, workshop, whatever. Like, cool. We're all learning from each other. But at no point in time, you're going to say like... credit. Yeah. And people don't want, like my clients, some of them are high profile. So they don't want to maybe say like, I'm working with Grace or I hired it. Like, because, you know, one client said to me, yeah, we can, you know, say we're working together, but I needed to be specifically saying this. So people don't think that I'm getting sales coaching because I do teach sales in my program. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is it a bad thing for you? Like, I still get sales coaching. I still have people review my sales calls. I'm always in programs that are helping my sales. So I also don't know how to deal with that. And that's a big trigger for me because I mean, like I've been behind the scenes. A lot of my actual intellectual property has been taught and put in books, which at the time I signed up for, right? At the time I was like, I work for you. Whatever I do and create this objection handling workshop sheets, whatever, I know that that's going to be yours. What? But now that I'm out on my own, I don't want it to happen anymore because I am not currently consenting. And my contracts states, my contract's a collaborative agreement. It's pretty loose. It's like, to the best of our ability, we give credit because I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. Like if you and I got off this call and I was like, I went and said some shit about like launch therapy, blah, 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 blah. And I never said, told me this. That's shitty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it that kind of stuff just like in some things you come up with like in conversation with people, but like, how about you just mention that? Like I had this really great conversation with this person. I'm going to tag them. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to like, well, you know, I keep going back because right now I'm doing the whole yeah, trauma thing, thing. So I'm just really, you know, my filter That's where I'm, it I'm is. looking yeah. through those glasses totally. And, and as we're talking about narcissism and things like that and, um, and trauma and people, how the, and, and I definitely know I'm going to introduce you to Melissa now because she can explain it way better than I could, but around mm-hmm. the whole narcissism, like you cannot, like, I cannot show a flaw and to them, that would be a flaw. And right. so even though they did learn it from you, it, they, they can't fix it in their mind to like show, oh, the humility, the humanity of, I still get mentorship. You're right. Like it makes total sense. My like trauma learning experience is more around like the yoga stuff. And so like, I know you Mm. know the, like the, just the mine, a lot of it was around the somatic experience or like where it's going to show up when I'm like taking people through physical practice, maybe, you know, like even when they're meditating and they're quiet or we're doing like yoga nidra meditations where they get into a relaxed state. And then all of a sudden it's like, my my walls aren't up anymore. Like I I had a person once have a panic attack in like a deep meditative state and have to like get up and like go to the bathroom. And so part of it for me was like, I could feel it even whenever I would ask like, Hey, can I just kind of show you how to move or like push into my touch or whatever it was? I'd feel 
people kind of like, and mm. then, so a lot of the, like the trauma learning stuff was like from a, like a body sort of like perspective. And I yeah. know from therapy, like therapy, couple therapy and psychotherapy that I like where the narcissism, narcissism stuff shows up because it's been kind of on my mind with in terms of his traumatic experience in his life of like having it not being safe to not know things it not being safe to need help with something because we do we throw around like the whole narcissist thing a lot now as if it's like you're this you're you're a villain you're a villain Mm. when like none of the villains were villains because they were villains they were villains because someone fucking cut their wings off raped them or whatever you know like we forget about like the story behind the story i think i was saying this to someone yesterday like we're all the villain and the hero like we're like we're how we choosing to show up or whatever right like yeah that's why i loved wicked so much because you got to see the story behind the the green witch (laughs) yeah that's why i love maleficent so much this is a this is the disney edition maleficent ring and then and and Ah. it's like it's the it's the wings Oh, cool. Because like, again, I'm just kind of like, we have such a, the whole hero's journey, which like we learned about in our yoga teacher training, right? Like we have such emphasis on like being the hero, but it's like the hero also makes mistakes and the villain also has been like traumatized and like, are we really, are they really different people? Or is it like through a slightly, like whose lens is it through? Like who are we, whose eyeballs are we watching the story through? Who do we have empathy for? And if you want to continue the conversation with us, join our private community at tavanadenise.com forward slash join. This is your place to get real, get honest, and share what's on your mind and heart as a woman building a business online. I can't wait to meet you on the inside. 